What's up, guys? I'm glad you're here. My name is Drake, and you're listening to the Double Click Podcast by Holy Hill Media. Tori, this is round two. Girl, I'm so glad to have you back. We have so much to unpack today. How are you right now? I'm so good. I'm just happy to be here with you. And I feel like I don't quite know, like, where are we going to go? What are we going to talk about? Because we already talked about the things on the first episode. So I'm just excited to see where this goes. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, every time that we, you know, we either sit down because we're going out together with Jacob and Lex or we're down doing a podcast, it's always awesome talking with you. But this time there is some exciting stuff behind the veil and I want to know about it. You almost told me prior to the podcast, but you're like, no, 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 no. We got to be recording. We have to be recording. So what the heck's been going on lately? Yes, I am so excited for all the things that are happening. And uh, I'm pretty sure, I don't know when this is going to release, but the this podcast, like people are going to be the first to know here because Ooh. I haven't even shared this with my people on social media. So here we go. I have signed a book contract with Thomas Nelson. What? Let's go. <laughs> um, so I'm super excited about that. Um, I am. I'm holding the book title close. And I think I'm going to hold the concept close too because... I think I just want it to be a surprise. I think people are going to be surprised about what it's about. Yeah, yeah. And also, I remember I was coming up here. So there is a nonprofit in our town that serves um, former foster youth. And it's right across from your office. And they had an apartment that was open. And my husband works for that nonprofit. So that nonprofit let me use their room for like work and stuff. And so I know I was, I come up here and I like see Drake and I see Lexi and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do my podcast. And it's like, well, okay, where's your podcast? Yeah. Cause it was like, that was like months ago. Yeah. So another really cool thing that has been happening, developing is that I'm signing a contract with access more so Access More is a podcast network. They host people like Christine Kane, John Maxwell. What? Uh, yeah, I'm so excited and so honored to be like, well, I'm like, you chose me. That's so cool and crazy. That's um, incredible. Congratulations, first of all. Thank you. What? Thank you. So those are kind of like the the things that like I literally haven't even told anybody else. You go, you're the first to know. Let's go. First <laughs> of all, ha. Second of all, how did this stuff even come to be? I mean, obviously, you're you're an author already. You've been on like a bajillion podcasts, but like, how did, how did all this come about? The new book deal, the podcast contract, how did that all come about? Yeah. So in, it was like October, November of last year, uh, Bob Goff had reached out to me and he was like, Hey, come to one of my writers retreats. Um, he invited me to come paid for my way out there. He was so generous. And I was like, because he, I, I didn't want to go to a, the writer's retreat because it was like, it's for people who have not yet published books. Uh, it's for gotcha. people who are trying to figure out how to do that. But he was so generous and he was like, come out here. And then we ended up kind of putting our brains together for, in March, we took 20 former foster youth to Mexico and we built a home for a family who didn't have a home. That's amazing. So that was really cool. That's what we were planning. Like when he invited me, he was like, this is what we're planning. But I wanted to also honor like what he had invited me there for. Yeah. So I sat in the writing retreat workshops and it was so cool because I was like, I'm not here to like learn any of this stuff. I already know like what I'm doing. Yeah. I've already done this. <laughs> and then in one of the, the workshops, he just reminded me how long it takes to publish a book. 
it, it takes about two years uh, from the time. Yeah, so my book, the book that I just signed the contract for, yeah. will release in 2025. What? Yeah. Well, they, they did give me the option for it to release in the fall of 2024, but that's when the election is. And so it's really going to be really hard to get PR. And I was like, I, we're not going to be fighting like a presidential election. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not A dozen doing. million copies yeah. during, the, <laughs> during fall like, 2024. No, thank you. <laughs> so then we moved it to like the beginning of 2025. All that to say, I was sitting in this like thing and he, he was like, yeah, it takes about two years. And I was like, oh, I do want to write another book. And if I do that, I should probably like put in a proposal now so at that retreat, I actually like just pumped out a proposal, sent it to my agent and was like, hey, let's start pitching this. And he was like, you just so my my book released like officially in October. Yeah, so he yeah. was like, are you sure you want to like publish it? Like you just published yeah, a book. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I didn't really have like a firm concept down. I actually ended up changing the proposal from what I initially proposed um, with the same still the same concept, but like different title. And then, yeah, that's. That's how it worked. I was so thankful because I was like, literally, it's so funny how we can sit in places and be like, oh, I already know all of this. And like, I don't need to be here. And then God totally used that time yeah. to be like, no, you need to like get on the horse and yeah. do the thing. That's amazing. Yeah. Which it's it's so interesting to me because when you, okay, I don't know what it's like to approach writing a book or even finding a concept for that, which I am like in the best way jealous because I think that's amazing. Lexi's reading your book right now and then I'm going to be reading your book. And so I'm excited to see what you have in there, but I want to know like, what's it like trying to find out what you want to talk about? Because you're doing speaking engagements all the time, like different topics They're kind of in the same arena from time to time, but often they're different topics. Like how is it landing the plane on a concept for a book? Cause you could write about a billion different things. Yeah. That's tough. Uh, so I'm just thinking about like what is it's so funny because last time we talked right I talked about how I want I really want to talk about hospitality yeah 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 uh, because it's like such a central part of our lives is like having people in our home and just doing life with people being accessible to people in the community despite what my work is um, I think sometimes when you become super well-known, you can become not accessible. Um, so it's really important to us that we don't do that. So it's, a, it's just a central part of our lives. But it's also like not the natural core, even though it, it is like what we do and such a big part of who we are, it's not like the natural course to talk about next. Mm. So uh, obviously I wrote my first book about growing up in the foster care system. And I really said that that's like a mountaintop book. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. It's like, here's how I got to where I am. But I didn't really talk about like the nitty gritty and the really hard parts of healing. Yeah. And so that's really the concept of the next book. It's like, how do we heal for real? And how sometimes we actually don't heal. And we have to deal with that too. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that's how I kind of figured it out. Is like, what is just like the next natural thing? And um, I asked my audience, too, just on social media, like, yeah. what if I wrote a book, what do you want to, you know, what do you want to read about? And I listened to those that actually bought my first book. That's cool. I think if you there are people who want something from you, but if they're not going to invest in your work at all, I don't know if they're like opinion super matters. Um, no, for real. <laughs> like their That's opinion real. matters, but it's like, well, you didn't read the first book. So what? 
I, I want to listen to those people who are like, I bought your first book and I'm here to buy your second exactly. book because I actually want to serve those people. Yeah. And so a lot of people said, like, I thought in your first book you would go deeper into your healing journey. And like, I'm trying to heal from my hurt. So can you like write about that? And that like, uh, I think that kind of pained at my heart because I did want to write a book for little Tori. I wanted to write a book, the book that I needed when I was in foster care or just any kid who's going through something hard. And I don't think when I look back at the book, I'm like, yeah, I can see how it didn't like totally fully answer the, like all the questions that yeah. we need for healing. I don't know if I'm going to answer all the questions, but I think I can answer more. Yeah. You, it's interesting. I wanted to ask this because when we talk about <laughs> Tori, Hope Peterson, we're talking about a speaker, an author, a mom, a you, you're, there's just so many things that you do. And so, so often you're telling these passionate stories and connecting with audience but I'm, I'm wondering, is there ever a point in time where you're like, I don't want to go deep. I kind of just want to stay up here and have some fun because so much of what you do is so deeply engaged. Do you ever have that like internal conversation? Ooh. Or do you just love, do you just um, love staying deep? I, I think that I am. I don't know. I think that one, I think that going deep is fun. I think like being... Like, literally, when, like, people talk to me about the weather, it, like, drains me. <laughs> Small talk is for the better. It, like, literally drains me. I'm like, this is such a waste of time. And I think that's because, right, when you own your own ministry brand business, like, you are, yes, we have more freedom, but I wouldn't say I necessarily, like, have more time. Yeah, sure. So if you're, like, here to talk to me about the weather, like, I just literally don't have a space of time for that. But I really do, like, I want to talk to anybody and everybody about, like, the things in their heart. Like, I really do care about that. But I ain't got no time to talk about the weather. 100%. I mean, no, I feel that 100%. I'm always actually, I feel bad because a lot of the times with like with friends or people that we meet for the first time, I'm always trying to go deep like right away. And that's I, why I think we connected so well yeah, with you and Lexi. Sure. Like, that's why we're such good friends with you. 100%. Like, I think like literally the first time that we met, you told me about your brother. And I was yeah. like, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Like, thank you for Here it just all is. going there. Yeah. 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 Sorry. No, I really, that's why, yeah. like, we literally, I remember we got in the car and I was like, I told you, you would love them. Like, and we did because we, like, we, like, we love them. Yeah. 100%. And it's, it's, it's mutual. And that's, again, we, we have these conversations because we have select people in our life that we can meet with and not feel, to be honest with you, going deep actually fills our cup mm -hmm. and staying surface level empties it. So there's few people that we have in our life and, you know, you two are, you know, uh, are two of them that really we feel recharged when we leave. We feel filled up. And that's amazing. And I can also tell, though, kind of piggybacking off the previous question of like going deep and stuff. We can also tell that you guys are passionate about what you're passionate about and what you're, you know, what, what's what's deep for you. It's something that's coming from a heart of, of conviction. You know what I mean? Which those are the fun things to talk about. When somebody really cares about something, they've been through it. And it's not just beautiful. It's ugly, too. It's the broken. It's the messy. That's that's human. And there's something, like, deep and um, it, it, it resonates more. There's a story that has color in the pages versus just the, the words. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's more of a broad and concise uh, visual. And so... That said, you know, when we talk about the speaking engagements, which again, congratulations on the book deal, but I have to know now about the podcast. How in God's <laughs> name did that come about? Um, okay, it's so crazy because Bob has really been an intricate part of this past, um, I don't know when we did the last podcast, but whenever he came into my life, um, he's just been a really intricate part, I would say, about regarding like the growth of ministry brand because he'd just given me 
so much good advice. So he is actually, he does his podcast with Access More. And he said, I think, you know, Access More, they do curate their content. But he was like, I think that they would take this. Whatever you want to do, I think they would take. And so uh, he just connected with the people. And then we had a series of meetings. And they were like, let's do this thing. So here we are. So how it works is, you know, I recorded like all the podcasts in those rooms. So those will like kind of be discarded. Uh, But it's okay because I think it gave me practice for this podcast that I'm about to do. So what I do is I actually go there. I go to them and all I have to do is like I just get to sit with people like you do. And then they do all the rest. They, you know, will put it out there and edit it and all the things. Yeah. So you just show up and be Tori. Yes. That's what I'm so excited about. That's pretty cool. I'm so excited. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Do you have like the topic for like, okay, you can't talk about it? No, I can't. Okay. So it's going to be called the I Love You Already podcast. Amazing. Amazing. And we're going to talk about living and loving well. Like, how do we do that? Um, Because we're all trying to leave a legacy. And I really think we do that by living and loving well. Can I ask you a real question that I'm, I want you to expose me a little bit right now. Okay. Can you tell me how I could love better in real life? I want you to tell me right now. Mm. And I'm and I'm open for like I want it to be real. Oh, do you want it to be really real, Drake? Yeah, I Are do. You sure? Yes, you can edit this out. That's completely fine. Uh, I think this is actually going to be really like a really cool conversation right now. This is. Um, well, I don't. I'm excited for I don't today. exactly know. I don't have like this thing of like, oh, Drake can like love better this way. I think you're a good friend, and we love being your friend. I I do think that. Uh, one time you said something and it hurt my feelings. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> sorry. We can talk about it. Let's talk about it, yeah. So uh, so you were starting the podcast and I was like, I just want to help Drake any way I can. I'm going to send him like some people who he could do this podcast with. Yeah, yeah. And I think a majority of the people I sent you did nonprofits. Uh, and you well, you can totally edit this out. I'm just going to no, say that again. No, that's okay. Say it. Yeah, but you you replied to me and you said we would like to stop working with nonprofits. And obviously I had all the stuff, all the work yeah, that yeah, we're talking yeah. about is for profit. That's yeah, my yeah. for profit like arm, but I also have a nonprofit arm and it kind of felt like like I was stabbed a little bit. I'm so sorry Aww. for that. <laughs> and here's the deal and I will say this, this is a fault of mine. I speak um, my communication oftentimes ends up being aggressive. And it's because, like, literally it goes, no filter, straight from back of my mind forward. What I could have been conscious of is, one, you have a nonprofit. And, two, all the guests were actually great. The issue that I had with that, which I completely butchered the wording on that, was we we wanted to we, – we've been burnt by a ton of nonprofits. And so, like, working with them, however, what it could have been. And we talked about that on the last podcast. Yeah, we also did. have been burnt by a ton of yeah. nonprofits. And, oh, my gosh, sorry, now we're totally go ahead, go ahead, Go ahead. But I do, it's so real. And I knew that that's where you were coming from. And I've actually been in therapy. Wow, we're just going so freaking deep. So I've like, one of the biggest struggles, like for-profit arm, it's always went pretty well. It's always like progressed and grown the way that it's supposed to. And then like my nonprofit, I'm like, I do not. I'm scared to ask people for money. Like I, we do such powerful work, but I sometimes I'm scared to like share about it because I don't want to exploit the people we serve. And I was in therapy and I was talking about, I actually read this book. It's called the ministry of fundraising by Henry Nowen. And it was like, he asked all these questions of like, why are you scared to ask for money? Why are you scared to fundraise? And all the questions he asked, I was like, 
I don't like this is not me. Like this is not why I am struggling to I don't it, it like one of the things was that uh, and I think this is this would be really good for some defiance people to listen to. I'm just Go calling you out. I'm yeah. not calling you out. We Come are on. really going a lot of different places. Okay. Um, it was like you are angry that people have money. So like because you have like you look at other people who the people you're asking for finances for to fund your nonprofit out of anger or spite or jealousy, you can't truly like love them and asking them for their funds. And I was like, that's not me. So, he, but he was kind of like going through all of these things. And I was like, okay, like Lord, just revealing me, like, why am I struggling to move my nonprofit forward? And, and just in like prayer and really asking that question, it was like one, because the, the whole, actually I should just say one, I, I, at the end of the day felt like nonprofits can't really be ethical because of the way that so many nonprofits have hurt me and exploited my voice, have fundraised their salaries and not paid me anything. And I was like, oh, like I have these thoughts about, I'm like literally running a nonprofit and I have these thoughts about a nonprofit because of the way I've been hurt by them. All that to say, just literally validating sometimes the way that that, system works which no, is really hard for sure and again like I, I do want to say too that we work with nonprofits all the time but the goal was we didn't want to continue we our goal specifically was to continue to market this podcast to small business owners but that has nothing to do with what I said to you I'm sorry <laughs> no seriously I'm working on this my wife's always like Drake you could have said that nicer and I'm just I thought it was like the nicest way I could have said it I'm working on that so please next time just tell me in real time. Drake, I forgive you. I'm sorry. And I love you. I love you too. I feel so <laughs> people bad. People are going to benefit. If you keep that in, I really do think people are going to benefit There's from no that way I'm cutting that out. Really? There's no way I'm cutting yeah, that out. Yeah, people are going to benefit from that conversation. There's no way I'm cutting. Because here's the deal. like Because it's so, it's so rare that we say, I'm sorry, and we say, I forgive you, especially in the older generation. Sometimes we We struggle. could probably go there today <laughs> We could do too. a whole podcast <laughs> on how the older generation really needs to say sorry more. <laughs> Yo, please keep that in there too. <laughs> Amazing. Yo, I'm like wanting to scrap the rest of the conversation. Let's but do it. Whatever you want. I can't not talk about loved already though. We have to. So let's get back to this stuff in a bit. But tell me about this conference coming up. Okay. I'm excited for you. Okay. It's going really well already. I'm throwing a conference in November. What in the world? Okay. I had some. So I go. And if it's, we're like talking like Tori speaks. So if you didn't listen to the first podcast, my like full time job is I speak, I share my story about growing up in foster care, and then I get to teach and preach Bible. And I travel all over every month to go do that. So what that, what happens then is I form a lot of really cool relationships with actually some, I actually have in more and more as my work has gone on engaged with really awesome ethical nonprofits and really great churches. And so through that, I had some churches and organizations start to reach out to me and they were like, Hey, would you ever be interested in something like a tour or a conference? And uh, that sounded really exciting and really good. And as I was kind of thinking, like kind of moving forward and like building in itinerary and my speakers and the ideas and the concepts around the conference and the theme, I was just like, again, praying through these things. I was actually uh, in 1 Corinthians and there was a scripture that said, 
anyone who does not do a good thing that they know they ought to do, it is sin if they do not do that thing. And um, I, through my planning, I really felt that I needed to do the conference in my hometown Mm. in Defiance, Ohio. Was that tough? Yes, that's a thing. I was like, I was trying to, like, we, it was, I literally had opportunities to partner with large organizations and large, large churches where there is a major airport. There's not, (laughs) if you're listening to this and you're not from Defiance, there's not even a major airport here. The closest major airport is an hour and 40 minutes away. And the closest like decent airport is 45 minutes away. So it's like, how am I supposed to have a conference in Defiance, Ohio? Like it's actually just not practical. And it's not like there's any spectacle other than like pack rats, pawn shop, the like bug the bug stuff. Like that's <laughs> the thing that people, if you, when you look up like Defiance, Ohio, like what is that's there to stop I'm... by and see? And those, yeah, those things are great. I love that they have those there, but like, that's the thing. Like no one's coming to Defiance, Ohio to like be a tourist. Not at all. So no. I'm like, this just doesn't make any sense. But I also really felt like God was just like, this is for your community. Like this is for your people and the people who are support who have supported you through social media and who are like that community like they will come and that scripture in first corinthians just like if you know you're ought to do a good thing and you do not do it it is sin i was like okay i think that um i'm gonna do it in my hometown and yeah it i i was really scared when um i launched the thing but so far it is going really good. We have like registrations have totally exceeded our expectations at this point. We haven't even um, been promoting it for a month. It's been like so we I think we launched like announced launched. It was like late June. I think it was the last day of June. So today is like the 20th, the day that we're recording right now. So it's literally been launched for 20 days and we have over 100 registrations. Wow. And a lot of them, I know that you defiance people listening to this. I'm like really calling out our defiance people today. Come on. on. I know you're going to wait till last minute. And if you, it helps conferences and events to put on the best thing when they know how many people are coming. So a lot of like a majority of the people registered are all coming from out of town. We have people from 20 states right now. We have people coming from California. What? People from California are coming to Defiance, Ohio. We have people coming from out of the country. I'm just like, what is happening? All this to say, if you're from Defiance, Ohio, I know you're coming. I know you want to be there. Please don't wait till last minute to register. Just go buy your stinking ticket. And we'll put the link in the description of the podcast to get you some ticket. Don't wait because then they can prepare to make a better conference, a better presentation for you guys. We're gonna do a. We're literally gonna do a discount code. If you listen, um, if you're listening to this, the discount code is Holy Hill. Let's go. And that'll give you ten percent off any ticket. Amazing. And that needs to be put on socials too. We'll give that to Ella. I love you guys. And Thanks. Tim, of course. Okay. So you're dope, first of all. <laughs> Let me just a little placeholder real quick. You're dope. Nobody this conference and people are coming from all over. Listen, only you. You're crazy and I love it so much. You think big enough to make th- big things happen. And the thing that I love about that and I, what I admire about you is I feel as if risk is a different substance to you as it is to most people. Help me understand that. Help me understand that. I understand that you have confidence. I understand there's boldness there and you have a story that needs to be told. You, you have a passion for people. But what about the risk? Because it could flop and you look like a fool. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you already have a hundred signs. Like it's insane. T- talk to me about the substance of of risk for you? How do you view risk? How do you see it? What's your relationship with it? 
in February, I wanted to have a fundraiser for the Beloved Initiative. And um, it was like I was going to host people in my home. And nobody signed up. I had one per- one sign up. And so I think it's important to just say, like, actually, I have had flops. And I think that we all have flops. And if you are, like, doing brave and bold and risky work, you're going to have flops. And that's okay. I think that it's better. I think I just want to, like, I I would rather be, like, I tried than, like, wonder what could have been. But also, I just really think about, like, what is it going to be like when I'm eyes to eyes with Jesus? Is he going to be like, you did not do all that I called you to do? I would literally rather God say, and this is probably, like, really bad theology, but hopefully no (laughs) pastors are listening to this. But I would, like, rather God say, like, man, Tori, you should have rested more than you did not do what I called you to do. Like, you did not fulfill the mission and the call that I had on your life. That would be terrible. Um, I want I want to get to be eyes to eyes with God in heaven, and He'd be like, "Well done, my good and faithful servant." That's, That's what I want to hear. Interesting. I want to unpack that a little bit. I'm sorry, we're taking left turns, right? <laughs> you know, left and right turns here and there. So, when okay, because when I hear somebody say, you know, it's it's the concept of preferring failure over regret, right? I'd rather fall forward than fall backward. And so, I guess, like, where does that come from? Like, where that perspective of, well, I'd rather look Jesus in the eye and Him tell me you should have chilled out a little bit. You did a little bit too much versus you didn't do enough. Like, where, where does that come from? Do you have regret in life that has just kind of perpetuated mm. that concept? Like, or, are, I mean, are you just studied up and you just know that's what God would want of you, prefer of you? Yeah, I think it's, it's sometimes it gets tricky to talk about faith, especially on a business podcast because not everyone's going to be able to relate. But I do think that, I guess this is going to feel like a brag on myself and my faith, but I really do feel like I just have a childlike faith. Like I, I think that I can jump into things kind of like in a sense that seems risky. Really, I think that it's like childlike. I just really trust that God is going to uh, bless the things that I say yes to. But and another thing is the fundraiser that I did, I kind of like, it's so funny because I did like, didn't really pray about that or think about it. I literally just threw it out there. And with the conference, like it was kind of this like months thinking about it thing. And then it was like in, when I was reading my Bible, when I was in scripture that God like really convicted me that I needed to have it in my hometown. And it was like, okay, I don't think that this is like me trying to fabricate this thing. And so a lot of it is just like trusting in God and believing like when, you read a scripture or when you think that you hear from him that that really is him yeah 100 percent. well childlike faith that stuck out to me because to me that it reminds me of i mean it probably should remind me of a bible story but it actually reminds me of peter pan a little bit (laughs) (laughs) and the beauty of that story is that there's just uh imagination without any barrier or, or restriction or you know there's no oppression there it's just these kids that are flying right and enjoying the the their best life and I truly believe that we have so many self-imposed limitations in life that keep us from actualizing the life that that childlike, live your life, live your best life energy. And I think it comes from pain, wounds. I think it comes from fear. And a lot of times, you know, that and that's why I admire people who do have that, who are, who can look a giant in the face and say, "Hey, man, you you brought a knife." 
to a gunfight. You know what I'm saying? And that to me gets me going. And so the conversation of opening up and understanding the identity of that, I think is super important because I think a lot of people want that and they can see that and even say it out loud. I don't have that or I'm working on that, but they don't know how. They don't know how to move towards that. So for a quick second, I want to hear like if, if somebody's struggling with, we've talked about this. Let's just forget it. Let's just expose me for a second, man. <laughs> Let's expose just expose Drake. Drake. I'm cool with that. I need I'm it. it. You know, I, I'm going to be real. Lately, there's been a lot of just small things here and there that have just been adding up like at work. There's a ton of things, but things are going well. But I got to a point where I just went on a walk. and I was like, all right, God, I'm holding way too tight right now. Take this again because this is yours. You started this, and I'm I'm in your way. Like help me, you know, help me find peace and and understanding that this is yours. And so, by the time I got back to the walk, I felt I I was still a little overwhelmed, but I felt better because I knew whatever happened next wasn't on me. All I had to do was be obedient. Yes. In the pursuit, right? Yes. And so, but in that conversation, I I'm also like, okay, when you let go and you let you give something to God, it you actually dream bigger because now all of a sudden I'm not referring to my own capabilities. I'm referring to God's, right, or God through me. But I think it's still hard, though, for some people to cultivate the perspective of releasing and releasing into something bigger and, and, and dreaming bigger, envisioning bigger, while the past is still saying, well, don't you remember the failure last mm. month? Don't you remember... Uh, Five years ago, when your high school track coach said this, you had a high, great high school track coach. Yeah, so not a good yeah, example, not, <laughs> not yours, but your high school baseball, whatever, said this about you, and it took the wind out of your sails, and you're still carrying that today, or whatever. Or you look at your parents, and they haven't achieved the goals in life that you wanted to achieve. So it's, you think you're incapable. H how can somebody go about cultivating that vision of of bigger, not selfishly, but because of impact, because of ability and potential? I think uh, when we started you you were like what's been going on lately and this is probably how i should have answered that question i feel like since we last talked like we talked about like the tangible business things but i think like what's been going on with tori is that tori has really like i have really been discovering who god has made tori to be and i think that because i've like published a book and i was speaking before this past year for three years before this past year, I think that people could assume I already knew who Tori was. Uh, I already knew who God created Tori to be. But I think this past year, more than ever, I feel more confident. And I think I've been saying to my husband lately, I think I have, I have the superpower now and I've never had it before, but it's really not caring what people think. And that is so, like, it sounds so simple and almost trivial, but I do care. I care deeply about what God thinks. And I have just been like, if someone comes at me or if I, sometimes we, someone, no one comes at us, but we imagine people coming at us um, in a certain way or thinking about us and our failures. And I've just been like, I just don't care what people think. And I, there are people who I look to who um, are bearing fruit, who have beautiful lives. And if they speak into my life, I will listen to them. I'm like, if you have a life in which you are following God and you are obedient and you are growing all these beautiful things in your family, like is like following the Lord, I want to listen to you. But if someone comes at me and they like don't 
have a life that is godly or a life that looks like the one that I want to live, I don't care. <laughs> well done. And this, <laughs> well done. And I know that sounds well like, because it's like, just don't care what people think. But actually, like, it is really, really freeing when we are like, I know who God has called me to be. I know what he has called me to. And that's just like, that's what I'm going to chase after. And if other people, I don't, I actually think on the last podcast, I don't think that I talked, I don't know if I even said the name of Jesus because I was like, this is a business podcast and I shouldn't. And I'm like, no, I know what God has called me to. And I'm just going to show up as Tori because that's why people keep, when you show up as Drake, people are going to keep inviting you into like their spaces because they want Drake. But when you show up into these spaces and you like, oh, you're not Drake. People are going to be like, wait, that's not the person I invited. And then you're going to get invited into places that you don't belong because you acted like someone else. Come on. And that was hap- all that I think was happening in my ministry and in my brand. And because I was trying to love people the way other people loved people. I was trying to cultivate a ministry brand that looked like someone else's ministry brand. And when I was like, no, God has created me a certain beautiful way and God did a good job making me and I'm going to show up as he has created me to be. Everything just started to get a lot easier. I'm going to love people the way that he has created me to love people. And sometimes it might not look big and flashy, but I know that it's the way God wants me to love people and just showing up. I think like God created you to be, it's so freeing. And okay. Another thing I'll say is sometimes you don't know. I actually think like these past four years, but especially this last year was figuring that out by trial and error. Like I would try to show up as someone else. It was almost like I felt like I was putting on someone else's coat and it was like way too big. It was like oversized or it was like way too small. It was like, this is not, this doesn't fit. And I couldn't figure out why doesn't this fit? And it's just like, well, because it's not like me. That's so damn, that's good. That's a word right there. And that to me, as you're saying that it, you were almost painting two pictures of two worlds Like I saw one in which people were living their life reacting to what the world had to offer them every day. And then the other life was creating their own life. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You said the word reacting and Drake, that's part of it. And this is something I have been trying. Like I want to write about it and I've been wanting to like speak about it and share about it. And I haven't quite like the word react is the thing that I've been wrestling with. So much of my life was a reaction. It was just this big reaction to proving people wrong, to showing people that I wasn't the bad kid that they thought I was because I was in the foster care system. It was a big reaction. And then when I had kind of reached this pinnacle of I'm an author and a speaker and I am successful and no one can quite deny it, it's like, I don't have to react anymore. And then it gave all this room to figure out like who does Tori really want to be and who has God created Tori to be. And all of those things, all of those reasons I reacted still inform who I, I am. Like I care about the poor and the impoverished because I was poor and because I didn't have much. And I know how that feels, you know, those things still, it's still a reaction, but I think I'm not reacting so much for the sake of other people um, and reacting out of like who I have learned I'm created to be. Yeah, that's good. My goodness. Um, you're going to need to clip that one. <laughs> We're going to need to clip that one, y'all. I don't care how long that was. We're going to clip Let's that go. one. Let's go. That was good. 
So, and what I hear you saying is that when we are caring or, or when we're vulnerable to things that are external, it forces us to react to survive. Mm-hmm. And I'm not in survival mode and you're anymore. Not in sur- so then you could be That's more exactly creative, it. more more conv- speak with more conviction. You can go deeper. You have better margin. All of these things. Oh exactly. my goodness. Oh yeah, my goodness. that's the big thing. Like I am not reacting out of survival mode. I'm reacting like out of thriving. Yeah. And then it's like it, you have to like when you're reacting out of like not survival mode, you have to question then like, oh, who am I really? And it's, it takes time. I think all of us are like trying to, and I think there's still a Tory that will be figured out. We're always, and I hope that that's how everyone is. We're always growing and figuring it out. But I think now more than ever, because I'm not just reacting out of anger, I know, I know, I see clearly, you know? Yeah, 100%. Now, let me ask you this. What has that done for the things like secondary to what you're, we're talking about? Because a lot of it's career, but like, do you feel better at home? Do you feel, are you creating more freely? Like all of the things, like how, what all has that affected? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, I think that one of the hardest parts of working and being a mom is that you're always neglecting something. So if you're working and neglecting your children, if you uh, are with your children, you're neglecting and thinking about your work. I think that, I don't think that men have the same tension in their work. It's just like the way our culture, and especially if you're in the church, it's just how, it's just how it's built, for better or for worse. And I would say that I really... It's, it's hard because I th- do think that in, this is going to be kind of controversial, in the church, as a woman, we hear that our home is our first ministry. I would like someone to show me that in the Bible. <laughs> I'm going to get canceled. Lord have mercy. I think that we are meant to steward well whatever is in front of us. So I was only I you only launch your first book once you only get one chance so I think when I think about certain things in life I think a lot about the things that I only have the chance to do them once and you don't get a redo and those are the things that I want to do really really well so I actually thought my wedding and my births like you literally only get to birth your baby once you only get to get married once and so those are the kind of like the kinds of things I think about them in family, but I also think about them in work. Those are the things that I want to do really, really well. But I would say I, I even though I thought that way, I probably leaned more towards producing in my work. And it was very difficult for me to show up for my children. When I stopped reacting because I wanted people to see that I was successful in my work. I wanted people to see that I'm not in the work. And I think people can think this sometimes about you too. It's just like we're young and we're on social media. People just think like we dote around on social media. Like that's our jobs. And it's like, I'm not doting around on social media. Social media is just like the necessary place for me to be, to do my work. Hundred percent. All this to say, it feels like you're, I was like proving to people. And now that I feel like I don't have to prove to people, it is so much easier for me. I I don't, I'm, I'm less concerned about making strangers proud and more concerned about making my children proud. 
That's wow. how it's changed my mindset. Wow. <laughs> That's good. And that, to me, what, what, what I think I, I really appreciate about that, and I kind of want to put a placeholder here, you're aware of you're aware of that like that's that's that that's clarity for you it's so hard to admit to as a mom but yeah the, it, 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 you're not acknowledging it until you say it out mm -hmm. loud really yeah. you know what i mean which is is amazing i i wish that if i can tie that into how we started this conversation what it looks like to become a more proactive versus reactive I uh, don't care what people think. I know what God thinks about me. I'm moving. I'm going to create in my world instead of reacting in my world. It starts with the raw, authentic transparency of self. Like self-actualization, fully understanding and, and realizing yourself. It comes from the dirty, uncomfortable, admitting, staring yourself in the mirror, seeing all the ugly because it's temporary. It, it, it offers a choice. And so... Kudos. I think that's amazing. I'm dude, this first of all, we could stop here and it's be complete, but we will not. We can't. I still <laughs> we have went so deep and we have talked about so many things. I know, I know. So that said, I do want to, you know, based on our conversation, the first podcast that we did in January, that's crazy. I wanted to talk about the transition of your brand because I think this actually segues well, coming away from the conversation you had, the season that you're in, uh, or coming out of, or both, how has it been? And, and give us a little bit of context of, of, of the, the elements of this conversation of transitioning your brand or, you know, your, your focus with speaking or writing, whatever the case might be, because you didn't want to be pigeonholed in a specific conversation. Yeah, well, as I said, I talked about my experience in foster care, and I think when you talk about something all the time, the things that happened to you when you were a kid, people will view you as a kid. And that can be really difficult when you're wanting people to take you and your ministry brand and the work that you're doing for the Lord, seriously. So I also, I don't want to talk about the things that happened to me 10 years ago because like God is doing a new thing. Yeah, and I want to yeah. share about those like new, he's been doing a new thing for 10 years. And I want to talk about those things. Uh, so it's really just doing it. It's really just, those are the things that I'm, trying to share about it is complex and difficult because foster care and the way that I was raised will always have such a huge impact on the work that I do now. Like I said, I care about those who are poor and those who are impoverished because that's how I grew up. I, me and my husband are certified foster parents because I grew up in foster care and I want to like I want my husband works for a nonprofit that cares for foster kids because so it's hard because all of those things are intertwined. And actually, when I posted about the Loved Already conference, I had people messaging me and they they were like, oh, is this for former foster youth? And I was like, no, this is like literally a women's conference for all women. And yeah, so it, it's just I think just continuing to do it and share the things that are today and hoping that people see me for more. But I also can't control, going back to, I can't control the way that people see me. And I'm also just going to continue to do what God has called me to do. And um, sometimes that's going to be talking about foster care things. Sometimes it's not. And just believing that he's, he's doing, he's working all things out for the good of those who love him. And I love him. Yeah, that's good. You know, it's interesting, though, because oftentimes, you know, people identify with the audience that they've created. And it's really easy to say, well, if I do anything different, I'm going to lose that. And then I'm doing so, I'm losing myself. Was there ever any point in time where you 
battled with the fear of losing the audience or feeling like, well, will people still invite me to speak or, you know, will people still read my, my, what I write, things like that. Was there ever fear at any time or were you in, were you just confident that, listen, this is all about your story and this is just a different chapter of the same book? Yeah. I think that or a fear, not of losing the audience, but a fear of losing myself. That was the greater fear because it was like Tori is always been known for foster care things. And in like talking about other things, the reality is like my analytics on social media are worse than they were when I was talking about like purely foster care and my foster care experience and the experience that I had growing up with my mom. But I just really, I think it just goes back to the risk, right? Like I just know that there is more to to be shared. Um, and then those little glimmers of people, you know, messaging you and commenting, like the things that you are sharing are helpful. The things that you are sharing are continuing to change people's lives, even if it's not reaching the same amount of people. Um, and just, I, I watched the Hillsong documentary and I think that it's really, <laughs> we just aren't going everywhere. The Hill, like. It's entertaining. I, I think that stuff like that just reminds us that like it doesn't really matter what your audience is and like how big it is. And if that's what you're caring about, you're probably on a really slippery slope. So just if my heart is for the those few people that comment and say this thing that wasn't about foster care still really helped me. And then also holding on to all those things that the foster care stories did cultivate, like literally people, I get messages every day people telling me like i am welcoming my child this child into my home because of your story wow. and so knowing that like god was faithful with that and he's going to be faithful with everything moving forward was it was it a painful process like pivoting your perspective on creating content yeah it still is i think okay. that i'm still like actually in the middle of that because i want to kind of point people how this all this works from like a, a marketing standpoint is like you want to point people towards uh, your next book. You want to point people like this is the things that I'm sharing about because people will buy the book because they see like this is what they're you're sharing about on social media and they want to go deeper. And so I'm trying to figure out it's tricky because I'm like writing the book and the book is still almost a little bit abstract. So my manuscript is due in um, January of 2024 um, I'm, I would say I'm about like 40% done with it. And it's very, it's been much harder to write than the first book, it, which is so funny because everyone thought that Fostered would be really hard to write because I was talking about these really traumatic experiences. But I, I felt that through that, like writing Fostered, it was like cathartic and super healing. And this book, because of the way it's so different than the first I'm almost like, I feel like I'm learning how to like write differently. All that to say, in sharing on social media, in sharing like even just the content that you share here, like we share here, it is, I think, tricky to figure out how do I share this thing when I'm still trying to figure out it for myself. 100%. But doesn't that make it a little bit less reactive and a little bit more authentic? Right? Exactly. And I think that, that that's the best that I... That's I actually in the so I've sorry I gotta stay close to the microphone. I've <laughs> I've written the the forward of my book and 
one of the things I say is like, I'm talking about healing, but I actually don't really have this all figured out. And I think that those are the people that are, I'm going to bring along with me. And it's really cool to be like the people who have it all figured out, but that's just like not me. And those people, like they do, they have more followers. They have a bigger audience. Like they will always make more money because they, they have it figured out, but I'm just more, I just, I'm not interested in a perfect poised life in which says I have it all together. Cause it's just not true. And I don't want to portray anything that is this false narrative for the sake of fame. Yeah, that's good. So that is an intentional conversation that you have to have with yourself. Like, is it, is are these uh, pieces of awareness that you're finding along the way or are you like in, is this something you, t- if you don't mind talking about, is this something you talk through in therapy? Is it something you journal about? This awareness, where is it, where is this narrative being uh, housed, if you would? Or when is it stimulated? I can't remember if we talked about this on the last podcast, but I had, it was my 11th foster home and the foster parents proclaimed the name of Jesus And they were the first foster home that I was in that I would say they were like really loud about like their faith. And they took me to church regularly, but then they abused their kids behind closed doors. And that caused a lot of confusion for me. And I have also seen other people in ministry who proclaim the name of Jesus, but have hurt people. And I just don't want to be a famous hypocrite. I don't want to be someone who tells people about Jesus but doesn't live it because I think that that really hurts people. It really hurt me. It That 11th foster home, after that, I was farther from God than I'd ever been because I was like, I want nothing to do with a God who people put on as a mask. Like, I wanted to be known. I wanted to be loved. That was my journey through foster care. Like, I just wanted to be known. I wanted to be loved for who I truly was. And so, like, the mask thing to make you look good, like, just not interested. And then I've seen ministers and people who love Jesus. I came to the Lord because of people who loved me radically, because they loved Jesus radically, because Jesus loved them. And... I, I came to the Lord because those people cultivated their faith well and portrayed it well. And if my mission is to bring people in to the hope of Christ, then I have to live it well. Um, I don't want to hurt people. I want to bring people towards healing and towards love and towards truth and goodness. And I think that that is just, if you're not carrying that weight as a Christian, then you probably need to like reevaluate your faith and your Christianity. Um, I also read a lot. And I think that when you read a lot, it does in sometimes uh, when you're in this space as a communicator, it's so easy to read or hear someone communicate. And I realized this because I went to like one of my, uh, a really big conference in it was like 2018. And when I was sitting in that audience, that was kind of like this event was like almost like a catalyst for me to step into what I'm doing now. I like heard all these amazing speakers. I was so convicted that God had called me to tell my story. Um, It was really, this conference was a very inspirational event for me. And from there, that's when I started to kind of put my pen back to the paper, my boots to the ground. And 
there were other people who had attended the conference and other ministers. And I was just telling them like, this is how I was like, I walked out there and I was like, this is how I want to fix myself. And like the other ministers, I was talking to them. I was like, what'd you get from it? Like, I just wanted, I was, it felt, it was like this hungry. Like I was just hungry um, for more. And I remember the ministers were like, yeah, that communicator was like really bad. And like, they were kind of picking apart like the way that people communicate it. And that's such an easy thing to do in this work is like when you're a communicator, there's balance because like if there's anyone listening to this that wants to be a communicator, you absolutely need to observe other communicators and see how they connect to people to understand how to be a good communicator. But at the same time, when we do that too much, then we're not listening to the content that God can use to convict us. We're only listening to content for the sake of critiquing it. And so when I go to church or when I read a book, I like literally, I look at my heart posture and I say this, like you are not going into this to critique it. You're going into this to be critiqued. Mm. And I think kind of always coming into those things with really a heart of humility, a heart of like, I don't know it all and I need to learn a heart of, I don't have it all figured out. I think can be really helpful. And one of the, this is the last thing I'll say to answer this question. One of the, um, I've, there's a book called celebrities for Jesus. And, um, the, the girl who wrote, I think her name is Kate Beatty. It's either Katie Beatty or Kate Beatty. But I think that, that book and her content, she has a blog and I just keep up with it. I think that that keeping up with her content just reveals to me who I want to be. Uh, I don't want to be, uh, like, you know, you, when you, I don't know if anyone like chooses to become a celebrity or chooses to become super well-known. You just do, but in doing it, like, I don't want, that's not what I want to chase. Like I want to chase people like God does. I want to chase God and I want to chase the things that are good. So one of the things that is coming up, coming into mind, like after hearing you say that is, you know, the hardest yet simplest stories to tell are the true ones. You know what I mean? And hard because it's hard to tell the truth sometimes in a sense that we know that there's going to be repercussion. Oftentimes though, you're not, you're not afraid of that line though, because the truth is worth speaking. And it's also the simplest one because it's a story that we're actually just talking about based on experience versus making up and being creative, right? Maybe in delivery, but nonetheless, the substance is just history. It's just history. But I really do believe, and this really does come to a personal perspective, but also in business, it's super important to understand the story truly, to know how to tell the story truly. What is the, I guess, what's the process like for you to know what to talk about to know where to go next with the book to know to go next on a on stage or a podcast you can talk about an array of things but there's there's got to be something that's boiling up to the top and like what is that process like so i does that make sense yeah yeah i i it's it sounds like such when you talk i'm like i feel so it, it's funny because like, i don't care what people think but at the same time I'm so insecure to talk so spiritually on a podcast. I'm all the podcasts that I'm on are like very faith based. And I know you are so like welcome to that, but I'm also, I think like one of the answers is that I think about my audience. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, and the other thing I think that gives me what to, what to talk about is being in the word. Um, I can read something and 
so often, like I'm reading something like I could, I literally just brought up right, that first Corinthians thing because I, I can talk about that because like, it's actually what I'm doing every day. And sometimes, um, that's reading other people's books and then seeing like how I react to it and then just sharing what I'm going through. I think that that is, I'm learning more and more that's actually Tori's brand is just like actually sharing the real stuff of what I'm going through, whether people react well to it or not. I think part of Tori's brand that I just can't get away from is like just being authentic. And I don't know if I think about it a ton to be totally honest with you. And I know that's like what all the marketing people are like, they're looking down on me. They're like, you're not doing a good job. Um, <laughs> they're also not getting the views you're getting, so who cares? <laughs> Let them talk. Um, so I think being authentic and I think just really like being in the word and being like how when I go to speak, I would say when I go to speak on a stage, it's being in the word. When I'm like sitting in a podcast, it's usually just like talking about like what I'm going through day to day and thinking about my my audience. I actually do pray. So a lot of another way how like when you're a speaker how sometimes it works um is you tend to have if you're a keynote speaker which i am you tend to have like one keynote and that is like what you go and share um i do not do that i actually pray and i curate my talks based on what i feel like god is telling me for the audience and um i actually think i sometimes i ask those like the the people who are leading what I'm speaking at, like just tell me three people who are in the audience and what's their background. Um, so in February, I spoke at a conference called Therefore, and it was for teen girls. And the the leader of it told me like, there is a girl in this audience and her dad died last month. Uh, you know, she's like a 16 year old girl. Her dad died last month. Like, and I feel like when I actually know like who those, so I, I talked about like that we are God's daughters and it was so before I knew that, 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 that girl was in the audience, that was kind of like my outline. And then when she told me that I was like, Oh, this is absolutely what I'm talking about. Like this is cause it just applies to everyone. Like we are God's daughters, but it especially applies to the people who don't have a father in their lives. And if that's like the first person that she told me, like, I feel like that it's kind of like this confirmation thing. Like I'm like, that's confirmation that this is what God wants me to talk about. So generally have it kind of like an outline or some ideas. And sometimes you'll see like ministers all the time be like, they'll get on stage and they'll be like, I had this whole thing, but then God spoke to me you differently. Crumple it up and throw it behind yeah, them. <laughs> that's not me. I am like, I'm pretty, um, like it makes me feel confident to prepare um, when I'm on stage. I don't like need to, I don't usually prepare for anything like this, but like when I'm on a stage, I want to prepare. And like some people can hear from the Holy Spirit, like on stage and just like wing it. I cannot. My preparation is like, Lord, speak to me in the weeks to come leading up to this. Very interesting. And you know that probably, I think it's, I respect that because you're not doing the same keynote, which you're getting your reps in. And all of a sudden then it's like second nature. And then you know it, you don't have to bring any notes up there eventually, but also because it takes a lot more time to prepare. You're writing completely different material every time. So more work for you, but in my opinion, I like that better because one, you're giving God a voice in, in the, you know, a, a, a voice in the conversation, but also you're giving yourself time to realize what the audience needs in that moment. And to me, that's a solution based versus I'm selling my product based. 
Oh, yes. You know I love that. Yeah, that's such a good way of putting it. And that that is like what the, the Hillsong documentary. So if people don't know like Hillsong, it's like this church and they grew really big <laughs> and uh, they had a lot of corruption. You should go watch the documentary. It's on like HBO Max, which I think is just called Max now. But all that to say, I was watching this documentary and that was like their thing. Like they just like the whole thing why it's so controversial as a church, as a ministry, is that like it was just to like sell a product. And I don't want to just like sell a brand. I don't just want to like sell a product. The reality is I am a brand. I have to be a brand to do the thing that I'm doing, but I'm also a human and I want to meet people in their humanness. And so to do that, I think you have to go situation by situation. Yeah, hundred percent. I completely agree with that. And I think that adds to, to be honest with you, it kind of casts a wider net for your brand then, because then it's just like, you're the brand, not, not the message you're delivering. You know what I mean? One of the questions that I really wanted to ask, because, you know, we've, I've seen things, uh, you know, talking to you guys, you sharing the stage with some crazy names, like you're, you're with the big dog, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's crazy to think like one specifically. It is crazy, Drake. I'm literally like, why am I here? Like, <laughs> who invited me here? Like, you talk about Bob Goff, like Bob Goff, internationally known, massive, and he adores you. And then I see a picture, which he was way shorter than I thought thought he would be but jordan <laughs> belfort yeah, yeah i'm yeah. like what is this nonsense you're with jordan <laughs> belfort right now i know and so you know it's it's amazing it's crazy but at the same time like dude you're there and and i want i i think a question that i really have always wanted to ask people in your shoes is like it's so hard to be like well this is this is the special sauce that it takes to it, it isn't any of that there's so many different pieces to the puzzle to become um, a, a well-known personality, but beyond that, a message that th the world takes to. And I do want to talk about what do you think are the elements necessary for something like that? Because I do think that there's a lot of aspiring um, personal brands that listen to our podcast. And I, I think it would be really cool to break down and understand just the, what makes up something that people take to and people pay attention to. And I know from what you've said so far, the authentic storytelling, consistent authentic storytelling, and and not necessarily caring what people think, which comes in because first of all, building a personal brand, social media, that's your that's your that's essentially your your stage between between gigs. But it's so easy to just be insecure about posting. Like we talked about that. Yeah. All the time. You looked at me. I felt you see me right I'm there. So <laughs> We've talked about like. You, I mean, listen, you called me out. I was like six months ago, like, dude, why are you not posting more? Why are you not telling a story? Why are you not building a brand? And I just pretty much didn't know what to say. Besides, I'm just nervous. I don't know what to do. And then you tell me exactly what to do. And I still don't do it. I don't know what's <laughs> wrong with me. But what it comes down to is I don't believe I have a story worth telling. In, in no, that just breaks my heart, Drake. <laughs> oh, I have point, so but. many people come up to me and they're like, I just don't have your, I don't have a story like you, but, and I'm like, no, like we all have stories worth telling, even if we don't have a stage or microphone or a podcast or a book. Like we all, I just, that is something that I'm, and actually, you actually really do have a story, Drake. That's so annoying because <laughs> you, you actually it. do. Like you have, <laughs> a story that is actually compelling. And all of us don't have these stories of like 
oh, like it was like this like super dramatic or like it's like the storm and now here's the rainbow. Right, right, right. But I do think we all have stories we're telling. Like genuinely, I believe that. I agree too. And I think it's like if <laughs> finding out, I think that the big, one of the biggest things for me, and this we can use this as an example, was trying to understand what it was about even if my story was worth telling. Well, who would I tell it to and who, what problem would it solve? You know what I mean? Or am I just barking? You know what I mean? And that was always tough for me. And and what I, I admire about you is that it's almost as if you know that you're you're connecting with someone when you're when you're putting content out there. So when you I think you I don't remember where we started this, but you were like, how what are the elements? Yes, that, that so work? the first word that came to me was connection. Gotcha. Um you have to connect with people. You have to really and you do that by like actually genuinely caring about people and i think that people are successful two ways you sell a really good product or you connect and care for people because i don't know how to sell a product i have to do the latter so <laughs> and i like doing uh, yeah, the yeah, latter yeah, yeah yeah you're good at it and i think we so there is an impoverished community in our town and um they were going through some hardships this past month and I grew up um, in this like impoverished community when I was a kid here in this town. And uh, when they were going through this, it was very public, like to the town. And people were like, oh, how do we, you know, kind of reach them? How do we in the church? People were like, how do we reach them? How do we serve them? And when I think, you know, people were like trying to figure out, like, who's the middleman? Do we just go in there? And. I just found a number of the person who is a leader in that community and I reached out and I asked them what they needed. And then I said, is it okay if I provide those things for you? I am being vague because I just really think it's important. This is like going back to the ethical nonprofit thing. Like it's just important to honor those that you serve and not exploit them. So then we, I've built, it's been so cool over the months, built a really good relationship with this community and the leaderships of this community. Um, and I don't call them a leader like lightly, like they are impoverished people. They are struggling people, but like the people there want to lead and love well. And it's actually really admirable. So we built a relationship and then it's been relatively public. I think that we've built a relationship with this community and so a church actually reached out. This was like just a week ago. I should say a, another organization reached out and they were like, hey, we want to go serve this community. We know that you have a good relationship with them. Can um, can we have their number? And so I reached out then to the leader of this community and I was like, hey, can we can I give them your number? They want to come in and they want to bring you food. And the response was, we're not so poor that we need food. And she was really hurt and insulted and this is why and then I had to go back to that organization and kind of explain like we don't go into anywhere and tell them what they need that's when helping hurts we go in and we ask what do you need and then we provide those things and we build a relationship so we don't say this is what you need we don't just go in to make ourselves feel good we go in because we want people to know the love of Jesus and Jesus is relational all this to say, yes, this other organization 
they have sold a really good product. They have way more funding than we do. But what I know that we do well is we build relationships. We actually connect to people. And I know that I can go into that community and I will never be turned away. I will never be told that I can't bring something in because I have connected with the people. That, man, Liz, okay, got to unpack it a little bit. When Helping Hurts is, somebody needs to write that book. When, <laughs> I, it is a book. It oh, is literally called is it When book? Helping oh, Hurts. And oh, literally okay. everyone in nonprofit and everyone in ministry, everyone needs to read that book. Everyone Lord. who does charitable work, even volunteer work, you need to check to see if you do it because you want to feel good about yourself or you do it because you want those people to feel good about their livelihood. That's so good because when you said this organization wanted to bring them food and she was like, we're not too poor. We don't. At first I was like, dang, chill. But then I was like, but wait, they didn't ask what their need was. They told them and it's kind of condescending to be like, the only need you have is you're hungry. Yeah. You know what I but mean? But it's like, no, like what? we, like we aren't. And it's, it's true. Like if someone came to me and was like, if someone came to you, Drake, and was like, here's this food, we know you're really struggling or like, and you're like actually struggling because you're trying to remodel your house. You're like, you would be confused. You'd be yeah. like, wait, like I'm like, this isn't what I, okay, thanks for the food. Right. And you know, I, I respect your intent. especially if you were but... actually like, if, if you were actually really struggling, right. you would be like, or if you were the thing is they their struggles have been public. And so it's like I'm already the face of this struggle and now you're like going to come in and treat me like we're in a developing demoralizing. country. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. demoralizing. I completely see that. And what I hear you saying when we're referring to the elements of what works is by understanding the need of your audience, understanding the point where you connect to a point where you don't have to tell them what they need instead. That's the one I'm talking about, selling a product versus then having a now word that's coming from God through you to person that needs something very specific. You know, considering that personal brand, I've really seen the consistency of passionate pursuit of solving a problem. Like always, almost always when people first gain notoriety with something, they have found a passionate pursuit to solve a problem that a lot of people have. Um, and they permeate that community by by being the honey to the soul of that problem. But I think the, the thing that I'm not sure people understand, and sometimes I feel like maybe it's hard for you to explain because it's also just who you are, is when we want to take this solution and give it to the world, it's not always just saying a million different things and coming up and educating. A lot of time it's just storytelling. Mm -hmm. But yes. how much of that is true and how much of that, again, considering somebody who wants to tell a message worth listening to, what is it there that I guess more or less I'm asking? You have to, you have to be kind of anchored into a, a, a message and almost be repetitive a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Yes, you do have to be repetitive. You know what I mean? Versus yeah. just getting creative because you're trying to fit a need mm -hmm. in your posting schedule. Yeah. Um, hmm. Okay, wait. Ask the question again. Sorry, we have to mess it up again. No, you're good. We're going to keep all of this. <laughs> I like it. I, I like it, it being raw. I like it being raw. Okay, ask it again. Okay, so the question is... Okay, I think I know. <laughs> Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was at a speaking engagement in February, and um, 
there is a woman. She, I literally think like in 30 years, people will look back on her and they will like call her this like profound theologian. Like she, people will like see her like C.S. Lewis, I swear. Her name is Jackie Hill Perry. And so I, Jackie Hill Perry is like, that is who I'm like, I don't know how I got on the stage. I literally spoke right after she spoke. And I was like, I'm not meant to be here. <laughs> <laughs> you made a mistake, it guys. Was, it was actually like the best uh, speaking engagement I think I've ever had. I felt so much like who God created Tori to be. And it was so cool. All this to say, afterwards, she came up to me and it was like, oh, it was like, I'm like holding on to it still. She said, you have the gift of communication. But then she said, and I was like, what does that really mean? And I'm so glad because of what she said next. I didn't really know what that meant. <laughs> she said, you have a gift for making really big um, concepts that could be hard to understand, easy to understand. So I think that's how I would answer your question. Like when I do think that storytelling, that's what it does. It Like when I told the story about um, the impoverished community here and that, like that's how we connect with people. I tell the story because I can be like, connect with people. And then people are like, okay, well, what does that really mean? So we have to tell the story um, in a way as simple as we can that connects with our audience so that they can kind of dwindle it down and be like, this is the simple way for me to approach the solution, for me to fix the problem. That makes sense. And are you mindful too of like how refined the message has to be because you have a short time on socials for attention? Like, does that affect a message at all? <sighs> this oh, that's is, a burden, huh? Yes, because I'm a writer. Like, <laughs> yeah, my natural inclination is not actually to be a speaker. My natural is to write. And people actually on social media, I think one of the reasons why my analytics have not been as good is because I'm like, I'm sticking to my writing. Like, that's, especially as I write the book, because that's how the first book, I think, came to fruition in the authentic way that it did was because I was writing and processing and really just like I didn't have it figured out. I was figuring it out. And then in the book, I just continued to figure it out. And I just want this next book really to have the same heart of like we're figuring this out together. Um, and I do that through writing. I don't necessarily do that through speaking. I feel like when I'm speaking, I more so I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm more sure about these things. Where I'm writing, I'm like, uh, we're kind of mulling it out in the writing. Yeah, that makes sense. So I have two more questions, and one's still on this topic, and another one's different. But the last question for this topic is, how much of vulnerability is necessary to tell this story effectively? Um, because, you know, people, people can... <laughs> People can associate with surface level ideas, but people connect with deeper levels. Mm -hmm. Let me ideas. tell you a burden that I have been carrying. Go ahead. Come okay, on. Get it listen. off your chest. Well, it's off my chest now, but it okay. was a burden okay. that was stopping me from sharing this new message. And it's why I think it was slow and still trying to figure it out. I feel more confident about it now, but I was listening to a podcast and... Um, it was like a minister, someone in the church who is a leader, like profound leader, very well known. And uh, they said, don't tell a story until it's a testimony, like until you have a good ending. And so I was like, OK, wow, that is like not how I share. Like, I'm <laughs> pretty much like hearts on the sleeve, like life is hard, but yeah. God is good. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was just carrying that. Like, so it was really holding me back from sharing like the nitty gritty of life. And then. I was just, I don't know, just time goes on and I realized like, I don't think that that's how I'm meant to share. That might be how someone else is, but 
It is actually through my writing and through my sharing that I have healed and I have sat across from others who have healed and then together, we, you know, we've just healed together because those things that were in the dark are now brought to light. Those things that people told us to have shame for are now helping someone. And so it's, we can listen. That's another thing. We can listen to people and sometimes that advice can be really good. Like I'm sure that advice was really good for someone who might be oversharing, who might be putting their stories out there and haven't healed a great deal. Because the reality is when we share from a place of hurting or bitterness or anger, we can make other people angry. I think, you know, sometimes like you're married, I'm married. We know that marriage is really hard. And uh, this is something that I think in girl culture we can do so easily where we're like, yeah, like he said this to me and the girl's like, oh, you don't deserve that girl. Just like go get another man. And it's like, no, like that's <laughs> no. But and like it can be so easy when we share from like this place of anger or hurting that it just like causes more anger and hurt. So it's like this, it's all this to say is this is the, a fine line, but we can listen to people and be like, that's for me. And we can also be like, yeah, I don't receive that. So like I, I took that and I was like, wow, I think that there is some wisdom in that. But in this case, I was like, actually, this isn't for me. Like, I know how God has called me to share like the nitty gritty vulnerable parts. Um, and I really think like where I am now, it's really just discerning like every post, like kind of thinking out every story um, and how much I want to share. I don't want to hurt other people in my sharing. That's a huge thing. Like the other people in the story, I'm always thinking about them. And I'm always thinking about when I share, is there, so like when I wrote my first book, there were a lot of stories in there that I actually left out because it was like, it was a story for I could, you could read it and it was like, wow, she really went through it. Like that piece of abuse was really hard and it was like compelling, but did it actually serve people? Like, I'm not here to like trigger you. I don't want to be here just to like create a compelling story. I want to be here to serve you. And so I think even if we don't have a full testimony, even if like it wasn't all wrapped in a bow and God didn't redeem all things, which there's plenty of things in my life that look like that from the inside that people wouldn't see from the outside. But I think that even if, you know, you haven't come to the end of the story in the way that you thought you would, there's still value in sharing it with prudence, with thoughtfulness. And I think it really is different, like every story, especially if there's other people involved. Yeah, that's interesting because that's that 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 forces you to slow down and see the elements involved see see the people at the table and i guess that's kind of that's it's a great segue into this last question the future for you i know that it's so tough because your personality is so authentic to you to to what you're experiencing in real time and that's a big part of you know your intent right now you know and building your brand if you would <laughs> but at the same time i do want to know what are the dreams that you have that almost feel too out, too too big to reach? What are the things that we know we're going to be able to see in two, five, ten years and come back and listen to this and be like that? You did it. 
Yeah. What are those things for you? Uh, dreams that feel too big are definitely all nonprofit things. Like how can I serve the underserved? How can I reach the lost? Uh, because a lot of people don't understand the things that I'm talking about. Like how do we maintain the, like what we just talked about, like the, the nonprofit story in reaching that underserved neighborhood in our community. Um, I also share that story with someone else like in this community who would be kind of like a donor or a grant person and they like totally didn't get it. And so I think that it's it can be really challenging to when you are doing very ethical stuff, when you are kind of I, like the way that our nonprofit works is very different than your typical nonprofit. We we are going in and we are doing things differently. I believe that we are doing things right. But that's it's hard for people to wrap their heads around that. Um, so everything like that, like everything nonprofit in a sense feels much too big because I just like, I want to go into developing countries. I want to serve in our community um, in really big ways and build really strong relationships with those struggling and just be like the organization that they know that they can t come to. All of that feels way too big because it's hard for not the, um, the impoverished people, the underserved people in our community. They get it. They, they can wrap their heads around it. It's the funders. It's the donors that just like don't quite understand what we're doing um, and why we're doing it the way we are. The, the weird thing about this work is that you can like look six months down the road and you don't totally know what it's going to look like. And that is that's why I kind of love it because it just keeps me on my toes. It keeps everything exciting. So it's kind of a hard question to ask, too. But two more books are coming. The book deal was a two book deal. So two at least two more books are coming. A podcast is coming. A conference is coming. Uh, I hope to continue to do the conference yearly. Um, and I'm saying that out loud because I actually want to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. Would you do it locally again? Yeah. Okay. That's what I want to do. I want to do cool. it locally. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, I want to like... I want to bring things to this community that um, that they wouldn't have otherwise. I want to bring things to these community that feel like they're in a big city, that they are, yeah, like that they like, oh, wow, I could have only gotten this if I would have driven five hours. Like, I want to bring it here to them because, like, they're worth it. Yeah, and it inspires people yeah. when they see cool things yeah. in places that they didn't think were quite cool that's amazing listen per usual honored blessed filled up everything that we just talked about two book deal a podcast contract a conference i'm not surprised and i know you don't slow down but what i love about what you're doing here is that everything's intentionally solving a problem you're 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 a honey to the soul of so many people and i admire that and any way that obviously that we could support that we're here to do so anything else that we can leave the audience with besides follow her if you haven't already <laughs> if you if you ever if you're not following tori what are you doing with your life oh thanks thanks you're welcome um yeah i just want to say i was so it was so funny because i when i was thinking this morning about the podcast while i was getting ready the only thing that i thought about was how i wanted to end it and i i wanted to teach people how to have vulnerable moments and it's so funny because like I don't even have to end it the way that I 
thought I was going to because like we just did that throughout the whole thing. For and sure. it was a gift. <laughs> it, well, thank you. It was a gift <laughs> for me too. This is the kind of stuff where we're an hour and a half in. And honestly, it doesn't feel like that. Not at you know all. what I'm saying? Yeah. I hope people are blessed by the reality and the authenticity of this episode. And if you want more of that, sign up for the freaking conference. Let's go. Um, which there's a, now a discount code for uh, using code Holy Hill, 10% off the tickets. Um, we will have some stuff out there, but also check the description of this podcast for the link to the tickets to use that that code. Great. Appreciate you, girl. Love you. Love you too.